we're in Leviticus today. Okay, we've been talking about the whole story of redemption in the Old Testament, beginning in Genesis as God laid out his plan, and then we continued in Exodus as God called a people to himself, and now Leviticus is inserted here sort of like a break in the storyline, and then we'll pick up the story again in Numbers. But in the meantime, Leviticus is happening right after the tabernacle has been built, and the Israelites are about to begin their march into the promised land. So chronologically, Leviticus spans only about one month of time. And geographically, it's still taking place at Mount Sinai. The name Leviticus is from the Greek, and it means that which pertains to the Levites. So this is the book that presents all the responsibilities of the priests and the Levites, but it does a whole lot more than that. So we'll talk about that. Um, And I confess to you, I've never studied Leviticus, and I really never read through it in depth. I just skimmed through Leviticus and thought, oh, oh, Leviticus, I've got to teach Leviticus. (laughs) But I have learned so much about Leviticus and how much Leviticus has for us. And what I've really found is if you're going to study Hebrews, you need to know Leviticus. And then Hebrews just jumps off the page. So I want to show you some of that. Uh, Leviticus also has some pretty interesting claims to fame. Uh, On the Liberty Bell, it says, Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. That's a quote from Leviticus uh, 25.10. I thought that was interesting. And Jesus quotes from Leviticus when he says, Love your neighbor as yourself. That's from Leviticus. So in the midst of all the rules and regulations and the laws about what's clean and unclean, the theme that we see running throughout is the holiness of God. That is the theme of Leviticus. And Leviticus gives specifics for the Israelites concerning their relationship with God and how they are to walk this out. So for us, it fits in beautifully with this historical redemptive narrative. And it establishes the role of the high priest, the sacrificial system, the day of atonement, the importance of the shedding of blood for forgiveness of sins. So can you immediately see how this points to Jesus? So the theme of Leviticus, because God is holy, his people must be holy too. To be holy is to be distinct and separate. So Leviticus shows the people how they are to be distinct and separate in the midst of a watching world so that everyone would know that they belong to him. So you can see the gospel very clearly in Leviticus. So the first part, you can divide it into two halves. The first half is the giving of the law, and that's how they are to to approach God through sacrifice. That's chapters 1 through 16. And then the second half is all about holiness, how to be holy or how to walk through with God and be sanctified. And that's Leviticus chapters 18 through 27. And there's an outline um, on your handouts. So we're not going to go into great depth, but I'll just kind of touch on a few things uh, about the different offerings. Um, The burnt offering really taught me a lot. Um, The burnt offering was offered twice a day uh, in the temple, and as soon as you had a new of sin in your life, you would find an animal to offer as a sacrifice and bring it to the temple. It had to be an animal without blemish that was a part, so it couldn't be like an animal that was sick. So you bring it to the temple, and then you would place your hand on around the head of the animal. And I thought, wow, this is powerful. Imagine like when you're holding your dog's head in your hands and you'd hold the animal's head in your hands you'd whisper your sins to the animal and then you'd slit the animal's throat so wow (laughs) so they that was 
putting your sins on that animal, and that was your substitute then, dying in your place and taking the punishment for your sins. And then the priest would take that blood and pour it on the altar. And then the animal was burned. So it was completely consumed. It was a complete sacrifice to God. So some of the animals that were sacrificed were then eaten by the priest. So that was part of God's provision for the Levites. But the burnt offering was completely consumed. So it was a complete sacrifice, completely given to the Lord. So that really, when I read that, I thought, wow. You know, can you imagine doing that for your sins, holding the animal the little lamb in your hands and then cutting the animal's throat thought God takes sin very seriously and they would feel that very strongly and then I thought about all the blood there was blood twice a day this was happening now not every person not every individual was doing this twice a day this was just happening in the temple twice a day just but if you had occasion I mean it might have you might you might do it that often if you felt like you needed to but uh, you didn't, weren't required to do it at twice a day, but it was happening. So there was a lot of blood all the time. So that's pretty overwhelming. So this, what was being taught was the life of the animal was in the blood, and um, it was taught that God could be approached through the blood of a worthy sacrifice. So you see, pointing to Jesus. Okay, then the grain offerings. Um, that was an offering of fine flour, oil, frankincense, and salt. And this expressed gratitude to God, and was, they were asking the Lord to remember them with favor. Uh, the peace offering um, emphasized that everything belonged to the Lord, and this was like a festive meal. And they would bring family and friends and uh, sacrifice an animal, and they would all eat then at the temple together. And then the sin offerings... Um, this was, again, sacrifice of an animal, but the difference between the burnt offering and the sin offering was the sin offering was meant to cover sins that were unintentional or done in ignorance. So you were still held responsible for sinning, even if you didn't know you were sinning. So, again, um, that was no excuse not to know that you were sinning. So the people were very aware um, of their sinfulness. And then the guilt or trespass offering was meant to highlight the wickedness of sin and atone for it at the same time. And this was offered when you were ritually unclean or you had sinned against your neighbor. And it required a public confession plus restitution and 20% more. So um, this was to, required to make things right. So these chapters outline exactly how to make the sacrifices, how, to, how the animals are to be slaughtered, what utensils to use and not use. Um, everything was very specific, and it was all meant to cause the people to feel the burden of sin and the uncompromising exactness of a holy God, and all was foreshadowing how Christ is the perfect lamb slain for us. And then in chapters 8 through 10, it was the establishment of the priesthood. Aaron was the first high priest, and there's exact regulations on how the priests were to conduct themselves and their duties, and it required great effort um, to cover the people's sins. And so let's look at chapter 9, um, verse, verses 22 and 23 in Leviticus. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. 
Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. So this showed that they had done everything the way that God told them to do it, and God had accepted their sacrifice and was pleased. Then, continue reading in chapter 10. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers and put fire in them and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. So this is a little disconcerting. Um, but what is unauthorized fire? Um, some translations call it strange fire or profane fire, but it's worship that God has not commanded. So Aaron's sons decided to worship God in their own way, not the way that God had instructed. And as you have read in Leviticus, everything was very exact, very detailed. And, and then his, the Aaron's sons just said, I think I'll just throw some incense in here and do it this way on their own. And so um, it may have been well-intentioned, but that's not what God told them to do. And so um, they did not regard God as holy. They did not treat him as distinct. And God defended his name and guarded his holiness. And Aaron said nothing because he knew. What could he say? He's God. So um, that was pretty significant. He, God, um, God is holy, holy, holy. So Okay, now about the holiness code. What is holy and holy and profane, clean and unclean? When something is clean or unclean, it had nothing to do with being sinful or not sinful. Clean and unclean had to do with the way things were before and after the fall. So the things that were unclean uh, or the things that were clean. Let's, I'll give you some examples. Um, animals that were vegetarian or chewed the cud were considered clean. Those that fed on dead animals were unclean. Anything that had to do with childbirth, skin diseases, mold, death, bodily discharge, sex, disease of any kind, made a person ceremonially unclean. None of this had to do with health or hygiene. Some people try to make these laws about health and hygiene. They were not about that. And it all had to do with the effects of the fall. So before the fall, uh, sex was pure and had not been perverted in any way. There was no disease, death, or decay. Childbirth did not involve pain. So by calling these things unclean, the people were, were being reminded that God rejected sin and the effects of the fall and was telling the people these things are unacceptable and that he was going to make everything right again. So that was the purpose of the clean and unclean. Also, God was making them very distinct from the people around them. Uh, or the people around them were pagans. They practiced fertility rites, cult prostitution, and child sacrifices, all as part of their worship. So anything for the, that had to do with birth, sex, and death, 
the Israelites were told could make a person ceremonially unclean. In other words, God didn't want any of these things to have anything to do with, with the part of their worship because that would be too much like the pagan people. So he was making them very distinct from the nations around them. He wanted them to know that they were different. He wanted the people around them to know that they were different. So that was very, very important. Okay, so the Old Testament verse most quoted by Jesus is from Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, James 2.8 calls this command the royal law. Paul calls this the summary of the law in both Romans 13.9 and Galatians 5.14. Um, these laws are not just about not sinning, but they're also about being obedient. So in other words, God was telling the Israelites, don't just do the right, th don't just avoid the wrong things, but also do the right things. So again, more uh, about making the, the people very distinct, very different from the people around them. So why was all this important? What was the point of all of these laws and regulations and how God was putting a shell, a protective shell around the people to protect them? Um, he was protecting the bloodline for the Messiah, for one thing, and keeping them, a disti keeping them distinct. Um, but look at uh, Leviticus 11, verse 44 and 45. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves about on the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Um, the creatures that crawl on the ground, that was the serpent. That was part of the curse. He was told from now on you're going to crawl on your belly. So that would be considered unclean. Um, look at verse, um, chapter 19, verse 2. Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Chapter 20, verse 7 and 8. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. And verse 26 in chapter 20. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. So all of these verses tell us that God wanted the Israelites to be holy because he is holy. So the reason for all the commands is so that the Israelites can be holy like, like God, to be distinct, to be different, and to be an accurate re representation and reflection of God. So to consecrate yourselves is to set yourself apart as different and holy. And then look at chapter 22, verse 31 and to 33. Keep my commands and follow them. I am the Lord. Do not profane my holy name. I must be acknowledged as holy by the Israelites. I am the Lord who makes you holy and who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. To profane God's name means to treat him as common or ordinary. And he is not common or ordinary. God's name, his image, and his reputation are tagged on to Israel, so this means they can't be a people who take this identification with God insincerely or lightly. 
um, and they can't be thoughtless or irreverent. So these commands are all to remind them just in their day-to-day -day life, everything they, all these laws touched everything that they did. So they were to be reminded constantly um, that they were a holy nation set apart to him and they weren't to live just like everyone else without any thought to their uniqueness in the world. Um, also, the ceremonial washings gave them hope. They were told you could become clean again through the ceremonial washings and through an acceptable sacrifice. So they did have hope, and eventually through their faith in Christ. So that, of course, came later. So let's look at chapter 16. This is all about the Day of Atonement. So we're going to read this together because this is probably the centerpiece of Leviticus, is the Day of Atonement. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark, or else he will die because I appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. So the priests first had to offer sacrifices for their own sin. They could not just approach, just walk in any old time. This is how Aaron is to enter the sanctuary area, with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert as a scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household, and he is to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the testimony so that he will not die. And that's to conceal the glory of the Lord so that he wouldn't, the glory of the Lord wouldn't strike out and consume him. He is to take some of the bull's blood with his finger, sprinkle it on the front of the atonement cover. Then he shall sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the atonement cover. So his own sin was covered, and then he's going to make atonement for the people. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way, he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out, having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel. Then he shall come out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on all the horns of the altar. He shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times to cleanse it and to consecrate it from the uncleanness of the Israelites. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. 
He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place, and the man shall release it in the desert. So this was a physical thing. The people could then watch their sins being taken far away from them. And that's where the term the scapegoat comes from. Then Aaron is to go into the tent of meeting and take off the linen garments he put on before he entered the most holy place, and he is to leave them there. He shall bathe himself with water in a holy place and put on his regular garments, and then he shall come out and sacrifice the burnt offering for himself and the burnt offering for the people to make atonement for himself and for the people. He shall also burn the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The man who releases the goat as a scapegoat must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterwards, he may come into the camp. The bull and the goat for the sin offerings, whose blood was brought into the most holy place to make atonement, must be taken outside the camp. Their hides, flesh, and offal are to be burned up. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterwards, he may come into the camp. So sin could not come into the camp because that's where the tabernacle was and that could not come near God. God could not be with sin. So this is to be a lasting ordinance for you. On the the 10th day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves and not do any work, whether native-born or an alien living among you, because on this day atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord you will be clean from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of rest, and you must deny yourselves. It is a lasting ordinance. The priest who is anointed and ordained to succeed his father as high priest is to make atonement. He is to put on the sacred linen garments and make atonement for the most holy place, for the tent of meeting and the altar, and for the priests and all the people of the community. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. And it was done as the Lord commanded him. And this is called Yom Kippur, if you've ever heard of that, this Day of Atonement. So um, this is still performed every year. I don't think that they still offer blood sacrifices uh, anymore, but they still have that they call the Day of Remembrance uh, for sin. And um, dealing with our sin is not easy. And this um, Day of Atonement shows how specific everything, all these instructions that they had to do, and they had to do it year after year after year. So um, the problem of the sin was never solved. So look at Hebrews chapter 10. Look at uh, verse 8. First, he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. We're talking about the new covenant. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice he has has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Being made holy means being sanctified, which is a process. So, um, 
It just jumps off, but then we'll continue a little bit. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. So after you read that in Leviticus about the Day of Atonement, doesn't Hebrews just jump off the page? to see what Jesus did for us and how he is the final sacrifice for our sins. And wouldn't the Jewish people have received that with such tremendously great news to see no more spilling of blood, no more cutting the animal's throats. We're done with that. The old things have passed away. And to see how Jesus is our great high priest. Now we don't have to have a high high priest to go for us behind the curtain and do all of these rituals. So what tremendously good news this would have been um, to so so studying all of these things in the old testament has such value for us because it just really completes the picture for us how jesus is the promise kept after the promises made in, in the old testament so Do we still need to obey these laws from Leviticus? Do they mean anything for us? Why do we need, need these uh, laws? Well, we're no longer called to be a separate and distinct geographical political nation. But we are, while we're not called to be a separate country, we are called to be a separate church, and we are still called to holiness. So look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, verse 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So we are still called to holiness. And if you look in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Let's look at that. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So, while sin is heavy and costly, it's not forever if we know Christ. And there will be a day when all things will be made new, and there won't be any sin at all any longer, and we can live in very joyful expectation for that day. So, let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for being our great high priest. I thank you for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. I thank you for removing our sins as far as the east is from the west. And I thank you that it was all finished at the cross. I pray that we would rest in this great truth with grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.